It's Russell and Medhurst on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Come back and get it every single day. I swear to God, if you could have just listened to the conversation in here. First of all, we got a lot going on in this freaking building today. This studio, these friendly confines of 1015 Half Street. Shout out to all the people in the building across the street from us at 37L who can look right in our window and watch us do the show. Hi, everybody. Good morning. All right, first of all, it smells like we've walked into a crab emporium in our bullpen area, okay? It is going to take days upon <laughs> days for that smell to go away. Yes, it is. I mean, it is strong like polo cologne on a 16-year-old going to homecoming. When they were talking about crabs coming in and uh, and all that, the junkies, meaning, on the way in, uh, boy, I I mean, they weren't kidding, uh, like you said. it's it, it smells like your local crab house. Uh, in our bullpen, and that odor is waffling and emanating. And the worst part is we're not getting any of the food. That That's the gone? worst part. Is it all gone already? Uh, probably. I don't know. I see these huge crabs. Not that I want huge crabs on mm-hmm. uh, because I, I just don't do that. It's too much work for too little joy and pleasure. <laughs> but, you know, like there's other stuff too. And I'm not, you know, we're not taking it from them. That's their deal, and and congratulations, and they're the junkies, and they're awesome. Uh, but the whole, like you said, the whole place is just waffling, and I just see these gigantic crabs being pulled out of these huge kettles, uh, you know, and it's like um, kind of weird timing at 9 o'clock in the morning, but uh, okay, whatever. I mean, it's the start of football season, and that's all anybody really should care about. But they're having a big old shindig over there, and then us over here on the on the B side, I, on I the other we, side. <laughs> and I, I think there's a future show called The Three Amigos. Yes. Yeah. Okay? Mark Jackson, Vance Johnson, and I can't remember who the third guy was in was Denver. Sander? No, no, no. Not it so. was Vance Johnson or Vance. Uh, Vance, yeah, Joseph. Vance, Vance Joseph, Mark Jackson. No, Vance Joseph Vance, is the is the defensive. Right, it was Vance Johnson. Yeah, Vance Johnson, uh, Mark Jackson, and I, I'm gonna. I'm, gonna I'm, I'm, I'm I'm looking it up because right, so spirited. Oh, uh, Ricky Natiel. Ricky Natiel. Vance Johnson, it. eighty-two. Mark Jackson, eighty. And Ricky Natiel was eighty-four. And Ricky Natiel was eighty-four. Right? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, and just a spirited discussion with Linnell and you. At one point, I thought y'all were going to come to blows. <laughs> it was that good. So, you know, you I mean, threaten you threatened to leave. I so just that, said, "Hey," he but, goes, "He said I would like I would like to be your co-host yeah. today." I said, "I'll be glad to leave and go home." Pete was like, "I'm out of here. See ya. I Nobody will needs go me." Home <laughs> Cuz I need a day off in the worst way. But that's yeah. coming. Sunday. Sunday's coming. Well, so. does Sunday count as a day off if uh, the Commanders are are yeah, torturing uh, us? 
Yeah. Only if they roll up a 42-3 win. I'll be watching it. I'll be sitting in the friendly confines of my home watching it. What you're saying is you don't have to do a pregame show, yeah, a postgame show, anything. a halftime show, a podcast or anything like that, or a play-by-play broadcast on Sunday. So that qu- sort of qualifies as a day off That is you. correct, my friend. Okay. I mean, I can't even tell you the fact that Rosecroft is moving to Tuesdays and Thursdays starting later this month. Uh, that means I get – Oh, I'm, no more the, Sundays. For the most part, I'm oh, getting Sunday off now. How about I mean, that? It, it's – it's going to be like weird. It's going to be the weirdest thing. I'm going to be able to watch NFL football all day, you know, with a rare occasion, you know, the 25th, I got a volleyball match to do on ESPN Plus, and then basketball season, we may have a stray Sunday game here and there, but I'm going to have Sundays off, which is going to be just silly, just buzzelly. So, uh, got, got some good stuff for you today, though. The NFL season gets underway as we have two of the kingpins, two of the heavy hitters, and, and, you know, I, I think sometimes, Chris, we get so jacked up for the heavy hitters on that that opening Thursday night game. Sometimes it doesn't deliver mm-hmm. because it's the first game. Right. It's The first game is no guarantee to deliver greatness. Now, it might. It could because they're two really good teams. One is the Super Bowl defending champion, and the other one is like the pick of seemingly 88% of America. Yeah, and we're going to get into all of our picks and predictions. And, and U.S. territories reporting. Right. The Buffalo Bills. I, I mean, listen, I, I, I'll i raise my hand. I'm part of that. I've been talking about the Bills all offseason. I think everybody else has. Everybody knows how close they were at Arrowhead last January, and it came down to last possession and this, that, and the other thing. Well, it didn't really come down to last possession. I mean, their defense, which was number one in the NFL all year last year, which was pretty good up until late in that game against Mahomes in Kansas City and Tyreek Hill, who's, of course, no longer there, Their defense completely fell apart late in the fourth quarter and, of course, in overtime. And we're completely gassed and we're completely done and we're completely rolled over against an offense that, quite honestly, was shut down for an entire half-plus overtime by the Bengals less than a week later. Okay, so, again, every game is different. Every team is different. Every season is different. Every week is different. Hell, sometimes halves are different, Pete. You know this. I go back to that Bengals game in the AFC Championship game. The Kansas City Chiefs were rolling in the first half. Mm -hmm. Then they did something stupid. I forget the exact sequence, but they butchered the clock. They didn't execute, and that gave life to Cincinnati, and then Cincinnati never looked back from there. They absolutely blanketed, blanketed Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and the Kansas City Chiefs in the second half plus in overtime of the AFC Championship game. Whereas, again, if you watched the first 28 minutes of that game, you would have thought, oh, my God, Kansas City is the best offense ever of all time, and Kansas City is perfect, and Kansas City is already planned the championship parade. And and that's, again, so so many things are different. Uh, Yes, a lot of people are on the Bills. There are reasons why a lot of people are on the Bills. Again, we'll get into all of that. Doesn't mean that they're going to actually fulfill their destiny. They, they've already had a rough August, let's put it that way, uh, on the field and off the field uh, in, in different ways. Um, but, but the great part of the NFL, and, and this is true for all sports, is we could sit here and hype and talk about whatever and hope and predict and pick and, and, and think. It all gets played out on the field. It all gets played out on the field. There There is, not that there's no questions when it all gets played out on the field, but that's just the point. This isn't opinion and theory. This is 
proof and reality. Right. And, and look, let's face it. Tonight, you get to keep the results. Yes. Everything you do has a consequence. Sure. And that, that's the beauty of all this. All this crap we were watching in August, all these glorified scrimmages, now there are consequences for your play. You make a mistake, there's a consequence. You make a great play, there's, there's a great consequence for your team. And that's what it's all about. That's what we live for. It's just like I was telling Matt, and Matt, Matt kind of like spoiled it for me. I'm like, we are about to embark on a five-month journey of awesomeness. It's what the NFL is. Except for our team, it's usually only four months of awesomeness. <laughs> okay, because we don't usually well, make it to February. Well, wait but a for second. two teams. Wait, wait, wait a second. Before you go any further, would you describe those four months truly as awesomeness? Well, I mean, look, the NFL, or, or, NFL football is still okay, the greatest that's fine. Sports, spectator sport uh, that we have out there. But for and, the commander specifically, it, does it, is it always awesomeness that matches up with other teams' awesomeness? Of course not, right? No, and and look, some days there's euphoria, and some days, you know, there's tragedy in yeah. sports. You know, our team loses. It's 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 a momentary tragedy in our rooting uh, interest of our team. Uh, this job has kind of desensitized me to the, you know, I, I don't get super hyped about wins, and I don't get super down about losses. You know, I'm still able to walk around my house and interact with my family without looking like a zombie. I'm not the person you see on Twitter or TikTok throwing my phone uh, through the television. That that's just not that's just not me. If they win, they win. If they lose, they lose. And then we come in and talk about it uh, on Monday. But that's but it's still NFL football. It's still the greatest product that we have. The ratings tell us that. Uh, even though total audience size may shrink a little bit, uh, it still blows everything else off your television screen uh, in the ratings each and every year. Because it's the greatest product in the world. And they, they look, they get it right. They don't play this thing, you know, for seven or eight months around the year. They have storylines that go around 12 months, but they only play 17 mm-hmm. of these tasty morsels now. Maybe one day we get to 18. But they make it such an exclusive window. They make you salivate for it. They've spoiled it themselves a little bit by bringing in Thursday night. By bringing in Saturdays late in the season, which they did at, at times before, bringing in Sunday night football now. You know, it used to be a Sunday. You waited for Sunday at 1, Sunday at 4. And you got excited about whether your team played, even in Baltimore, because in Baltimore they played at 2 o'clock uh, because of the blue laws uh, in Baltimore a long time ago. Other than that, though, my friend, we got football consummate. We, we can consume football in so many forms now, pro and college and high school, a youth football as I, I was finishing up those schedules uh, this week, you can find gridiron greatness now over the next four months in many forms and fulfill your entertainment uh, menu uh, quite handsomely. Other headlines real quick before we uh, get into uh, the, the games this week. Um, dude, serious, serious thing yesterday. Doug Gottlieb admitted that he made up the claim about Freddie Freeman and his agent not telling him about the final deal, Chris. And, and I only bring this up because that's our industry. Mm-hmm. And it puts all of us under the microscope. And it puts, it puts a lack of trust in the audience's mind mm-hmm. when someone in our business, especially as you know, globally recognizable as Doug is, uh, working on Fox, working on college basketball, former college basketball player. I mean, a lot of people know who Doug Gottlieb is. Sure. But it plants that seed in the minds of others. And you know this because people accuse you often of throwing stuff out there just to get a reaction, right. even though yours is sourced incredibly well when you do it. 
But in this case, when somebody just totally makes up something so significant about a sports figure, one of the prominent free agents of this Major League Baseball season leaving his hometown team, I mean, this is – this this, and I've never minded Doug. I think Doug is very good at analyzing basketball. But this does damage to all of us mm-hmm. in this industry when someone does something like this just as – just as we were discussing yesterday about the Mike Jarecki report and and its validity, its accuracy in terms of all of the details. Mm-hmm. And that's I thought it was interesting that on the heels of the discussion we had in the first hour about Mike's report, that something like this comes out about Doug. So all those people yesterday that are throwing smoke you know, at Mike in that report and then see it, you know, kind of squashed by Washington sources to all of their little pet media members, mm-hmm. then this feeds right into those people that say, oh, that, that, that guy's just making that stuff up. He's not accurate. And that really does damage to all of us in this industry who try to come on the air and talk accurately every day about Sports and the events that we observe and the sources that we talk to. It did, because you're right. Like, media is often thrown into one hopper, and and that's not fair. Um, And sports radio, specifically, always is dismissed. I I mean, it's been dismissed forever, um, unfortunately. And sometimes that's our fault, and sometimes that's just perception and, uh, you know, the way— society is they try and discredit you or or they try and blow you off oh if you don't work for the washington post you suck or or you can't be trusted or if you don't work tv you're not really any exactly uh, you're not worthwhile to us exactly tv person can put that person on the screen in front of people's faces. exactly the first thing i thought of when i read this story about uh doug gottlieb and and freddie freeman at like 1 30 this morning uh one of my many wake-up calls was exactly what you just said was you know we dealt with this Mike Jarecki Chase Young thing yesterday and Tuesday night and you're right it does look terrible for our industry in general and I guess radio to some degree because Doug does a daily national radio show on Fox um, and Jarecki has done a bunch of radio and whatever Uh, that being said Pete you know the way I interpreted what ultimately happened here was that Doug admitted that he got something wrong or that he jumped the gun, but not that he completely made it up with, with like, ill will or bad intentions. Meaning what he did was he got excited based on something somebody said to him or something that he heard. And went full throttle with it and didn't think of the ramifications, right? And didn't check and didn't run it through the agent or Freddie Freeman or the Dodgers PR or whatever the case might be. And went with it because he got so excited because I can make myself relevant. Now, you say, I love Doug Gottlieb. He does a great job on college basketball. And you're right. 
He's largely insignificant, though, to many Americans, especially at this time of the year or in the middle of June or July, because people know him as a college basketball guy. And even though he's been doing national talk radio shows on all sports for years now, he's still largely irrelevant. So guys are still trying to figure out a way. How do I make the meter move? How do I make myself more relevant how do i get in the headlines so that people listen to me or care about me or watch me or follow me or you know come and give me the love that they're giving pat mcafee Mm -hmm. how do i do that and sometimes sometimes you rush to a story and again as i told you yesterday i'll raise my right hand and sometimes i've rushed to a story now i've learned over the years to be way, way, way more patient because I don't want to deal with the BS. I don't want to deal with the team yelling and shouting that, no, 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 I'm wrong and leaking to reporters that I'm wrong or, you know, the information is wrong. I don't want to deal with somebody from the team or multiple people from the team calling me and saying, you're crazy, you're wrong, you're this, you're that. I don't want to deal with any of it. I don't want to deal with any of it. I'm smart enough to know that if I hear something – And if I don't have 1,000% proof, and I mean obvious proof, I'm just going to say, hey, you know what? I'll use it as informed speculation. Maybe this is a possibility. Maybe have you thought about this? Maybe Chase Young did have a setback. Maybe Chase Young didn't do everything right. Maybe Chase Young was actually working with Von Miller, but not at the Von Miller Pass Rush Academy pizza party. Maybe this, maybe that. I'm smart enough to realize that you cannot be what and do what Doug Gottlieb did, which is essentially say, okay, and I forget exactly how the original tweet was worded, essentially said, hey, Casey Close, longtime agent, Derek Jeter's agent, longtime agent of Freddie Freeman, hoodwinked Freddie Freeman by not giving him the Braves' last offers or final offers or what have you, which then in turn led to Freddie Freeman going back home to L.A., Joining the Dodgers, but being miserable and being so emotional and so upset, like we all know Freddie Freeman is, to the fact that when he went back to Atlanta, found out about this report, found out about this information, that he fired the damn agent, okay? And the agent had every right to obviously legally defend himself. Good for him. And he clearly won, and there'll be a retract, or there is a retraction, and they're going to drop the lawsuit and all that. But my point being, my point being is, A lot of times when people run with stuff, this is the kind of thing that can happen. And sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's reality. And sometimes in the case of this particular situation, it was absolutely false. And now we have some sort of conclusion. The, and again, as we talk about it and to me, you out there tune in every day because you feel like you can trust us for the most part. And we have great sports discussions. A lot of you are incredibly intelligent fans. And and we try to engage you in that manner each and every day. But if we were to do that, you know, our credibility would take a hit and you would go in search of something else between 9 and 12. I mean, there are so many more sources for you to choose from now uh, when you turn on your radio in your car, uh, what apps you listen to and things of that nature – if you don't trust us, if we don't have any credibility with you, you're not going to listen to us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. And I think that's the thing we strive for each and every day. You may not like, you may disagree, and we can ha- – we the, the I don't know about other shows. Okay, I'm not speaking for other people. But you can have a healthy disagreement with us. We don't expect you to agree with everything we say, 
And we're not going to disrespect you for disagreeing with us. Mm -hmm. As long as you don't disrespect us in how you disagree with us, that's fine. That's what America's all about. Good, normal, healthy debate. Absolutely. But you just can't make, you can't do what Doug did. And it's very disappointing because, you know, Chris, if you're the, if you're the guy doing radio in like Mobile, Alabama. Right. Nobody cares. Galveston, Texas. Nobody cares. Okay. You don't have the access to get to a Casey Close. If you're Doug Gottlieb and you're working for Fox Sports, you have Mm -hmm. the ability to get in touch with Casey Close Mm -hmm. and say, Casey, someone gave this to me. What's what's your response? And it doesn't even have to be on the air. Doug can get an audience with Casey Close in an email, text, whatever, to check something like that out. Correct. And the fact that he didn't do that is disappointing. If you don't have, like you said, if you're that guy in Mobile and you're trying to make a name for yourself and you run with something because you just happen to come across it, great. Okay? You know, I talk to coaches all the time. Coaches give me stuff all the time. I would say 85% of the time it's accurate. 15% of the time it's not. And if I ran with everything that a coach told me, mm-hmm. Every time they did it, and I'm only 85% right, then I'm wrong. Okay? I'd be wrong to do that. So that's why you always have to, when you have the means, go check things out, double-check the sources, because, you know, Doug is a lightning rod figure, especially on Twitter like you. You and you and him share a lot of similarities when it comes to social media Mm -hmm. because every time Doug tweets something someone tweets back about how he got in trouble for stealing something when he was in college and that's why he ended up at Oklahoma State after being at Notre Dame okay so he has something in his past that every time somebody brings something up he's like the Washington Commanders two different football suite selling posts now on Facebook Chris we're up over a thousand comments to the Commanders 900 of which are go fly a kite I'm going to watch the games at home, all that kind of stuff, okay? So it's like every time they send a message out there, mm-hmm. there's a negative. You could, you can tweet out the greatest commander's information. There's going to be at least one donkey that comes back at you and says, oh, you just have an axe to grind, you know? How many, times do you, how many times does someone tell you that the course of a month on social media? True. Uh, like, it happens right? all the, almost right? every day. Okay. Would that, so, don- would that donk be Craig Heist? <laughs> Don't be a don't. <laughs> but but you get my point. You get my point is sometimes people achieve a status that no matter what they do, someone's always going to throw something like that in their yeah. face. And Doug gets that thrown in his face all the time. What what do you think the last twenty four hours have been like for Doug on oh, social media? I mean, probably not great. Probably not good for your mental health no, to look at that. No, definitely not. But you wouldn't want someone to remind you right. of a you know. Catastrophic incident. And now the question comes out: Is you know, is there any Fox, you know, rep, uh, uh, you know, I guess reparation or yeah, sure, or whatever? Because it makes sure. Fox, because it makes your employer quite frankly, look bad. If Casey really wanted to pursue this, yeah. he could he could get both oh, Doug absolutely. and Fox for some cash. Yeah, but Casey's taking the high road and just saying, "Hey, all we want's the retraction. We consider this matter closed." And I give Casey Close a lot of credit. I think Casey Close handled it one hundred percent, perfectly right. And uh, obviously now. Uh, they're going to uh, drop the case, so no more lawsuit between Casey Close and Doug Gottlieb. Stick around. We've got our P 
picks for the NFL season. Had our fantasy drafts, all of you that got involved last night. Appreciate all of you getting in there and uh, getting that done. I was actually doing two drafts at one time. Saw that. That was a lot of fun, my friend. Fortunately, the other one started an hour earlier, so I was well into the Mm. more important ones of that and trying to bounce back and forth on my phone as I was driving down the road. That was a lot of fun. Well, I was traffic. Kelly, I was, we, had, we had softball practice last night, <laughs> and we got in the car just after 8 o'clock. The first draft started at 8. Ours started at 9. Oh, okay. So, uh, Guerrero. All right, so during hours, you weren't I was home. I was okay. home by the time I right. got there. Well, at, least, so, at least I'm not responsible for that. Okay. A lot of fun. My fantasy quarterback, his deadline for a contract talk ends Ooh. tomorrow. Ooh. I got Lamar in the Edmonton 980s. We're coming to rock you this year in fantasy football. We're off and running. It's a Thursday morning. It's the start of the NFL season. We got a real game tonight, real talk about it, and more this morning. Stick around with us between now and noon. 301-230-0980 at WrestleMania 621 at Pete Medhurst. Let's rock and roll with the NFL on a Thursday morning right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. If you're Kyle Finnegan, this song is appropriate. Because as a closer, if you get knocked down, you got to get back up again. Nats let 5-1 going to the bottom of the ninth last night. Mm. And Finney had a bad outing. Tommy Edmonds double off the glove of Alex Call, allowing the Cardinals to score five times in the bottom of the ninth and win 6-5 last night. Nats are still turning into a major pain in the rear end here in this early part of September against these contenders, though. Uh, again, in position to win another game last night would have been three out of four against some contending teams here after uh, the Mets. Uh, it, you know, they took a couple there, but unfortunately, uh, Finnegan gives up too many hits and walks last night in the bottom of the ninth, and they lose by a count of six to five. Same two teams coming up this afternoon. You'll hear it over on 1067, the fan. But um, wanna, I actually want to put a, a bow on what you and Linnell were screaming about passionately. Uh, back and forth, uh, probably for a good 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, in the to put a finality to that discussion yesterday, and maybe there's, there is no finality until we see 99 on the field, actually. Because if it takes him even longer than, you know, even anticipated now, maybe it lends some credence to what was reported uh, the day before yesterday. But... You know, in the in the grand scheme of things, you know, what do we make of what was reported, what was retorted, and was it distorted? Is essentially, uh, you know, the storyline uh, coming out of this. Just like we talked about, you know, with Doug's story and the credibility. I mean, what do we make after having a you know forty eight hour period now to kind of absorb all of the information that has come out from multiple sources? Yeah. Now? Well. Listen, the organization says there's no setback, there's no reason for concern, that this was all part of the plan, that Chase Young did not attend the Von Miller Pizza Party, Rush Pass Rush Academy, uh, all that. They've had everyone screaming that would, 
listen and carry the message that nothing happened here. There's nothing to see here. So I guess that means there's nothing to see here. If we just operate like that, if we never, ever, ever, ever have any sort of doubt whatsoever about the organizational message, you know, that that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Um, so you just believe whatever you want to believe. Hopefully Chase Young will be back for week five. I would doubt it. Um, but we've said that long before this report, that logically it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that he's going to be ready to go without practicing for week five against Tennessee and Derrick Henry and and presumably Ryan Tannehill still. Um, and then week six might be an issue too because of Chicago and Thursday night football and lack of practices and whatever. So I guess the next time we're going to have to deal with this, provided that there isn't some other rogue report or some other report from an Adam Schefter, from an Ian Rappaport, from a Jay Glazer, from somebody like that, Tom Pellicero, whatever, Mike Garofalo, the next time we're going to have to deal with this is if he's not ready to play week five. If he's not ready to play week five, there are going to be a lot of people, media and fans, that are very hostile and very angry and very down and say, oh, see, he did have a setback. Oh, he. No, but wait a minute, though. Chase Young is it, soft. Week five. Wait, one, two, three, four. That's the one, two, three, four. Five. That's Tennessee at yes. home. That's, and then you have the Bears. Is the on Thursday, Thursday night, night. So that's week, week six. So to your point, and even you, Dr. Russell, recommended right. that him coming back and even playing, you know, in that short truncated window where there's two games in seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven days, something like yeah. that, may not necessarily be the best best thing medically right. for Chase Young. So if they do the best thing medically for Chase Young and target week seven, mm-hmm. Are they wrong, and should there be that type of hostility that you're suggesting if he's not available for Week 5? They're not wrong, but that's going to be how it's perceived in pockets is that he did have a setback, and they were lying, and they were trying to spread, you know, again, the positive message that everything's kosher here, there's nothing to see here, all of that stuff. That's how it's going to be perceived in pockets. Smart, common sensible people, which I, I believe we are, are going to sit here and say, well, wait a second, we've been telling you all along that just because he's not, he cannot play until week five doesn't mean he will play in week five just because, A, again, the human body is the human body, and there is a huge difference between football playing shape and cardiovascular shape, as we found out about through Mike Shanahan uh, when it came through uh, benching Donovan McNabb and Rex Grossman. Um, you know, and, 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 and we're, we're, so, so my point being is there are going to be some pockets that say, see, they, he did have a setback. I don't think that's going to prove that he did have a setback or not. I don't think we're going to find out that he had a setback or if he didn't have a setback, they seem more concerned and more interested in disproving through anyone and everyone that they can, that he did not attend the Bond Miller pizza pie, uh, uh, you know, luncheon in Denver. Okay, fine. Nobody said he did. I never said he did. I didn't know. All I know is I got pictures of him working out with Von Miller in late June. That's all I know. And that's all I've said. And whether he had a setback or not, I mean, you're here. I've heard all sorts of things all offseason. Okay? 
I don't know what's the truth. And this is why, again, going back to the Casey Close, Freddie Freeman, Doug Gottlieb thing, you got to be really careful with this nonsense because there are so many things, um, you know, there are so many things going on. All right, coming up, we got a very special guest for you. We are glad to have, we've been working on, and it's finally coming through for us, and we look forward to talking to him, hopefully not only this week, but uh, most weeks during the college football season. We'll tell you who that is. Coming up next right now, Russell tells us what's trending. All right, the first injury report of the 2022 NFL season for the Commanders out, of course, with practice coming up this morning. Now, reportedly, there's a power outage at the facility, and the team might have to shift its practice from later this morning to, like, 45 minutes from now. We'll keep you posted on everything going on. Cam Curl was out yesterday seeing a doctor per Ron Rivera, Cam Sims, Logan Thomas, Cole Turner were limited. John Bates, Fedarian, Mathis, Trey Turner, all were full. First NFL game of the season coming up tonight, Thursday night football. It is the Super Bowl champion, Sean McVay, led Los Angeles Rams, hosting the Buffalo Bills, the odds on pick for a Super Bowl appearance out of the AFC. That game coming up later on tonight. And again, a special guest on the way. Stay tuned. You don't want to go anywhere, especially you college football fans of a local program in the area. That's next. Russell and Medhurst, Team 980. That's what's trending. Welcome back to Russell and Medhurst. Here it's a Thursday morning college football slate gets underway tonight, as well as the pro football slate coming up on Saturday, right here on your flagship station for Maryland Terrapins football. Your Terps will take on the 49ers of Charlotte. Pleased to be joined now by Maryland's head football coach, Mike Loxley. Coach Pete Medhurst, Chris Russell. Good morning, sir. Appreciate the time today. No problem. Good morning, fellas. Thank you, Coach. Mike, uh, expectations for the program are trending in the area that as a college football coach in a program where you want them, your 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 players, your fans expect you all to win now. You play in one of the greatest leagues in the country. Either we can debate. You've coached in both of them. You know what it's like. SEC West, Big Ten East. It's 1-1A one uh, in college football in terms of its quality. With expectations uh, for your team the way they are, uh, thoughts on how your team performed last week taking care of its business in game one against Buffalo? You know, obviously winning the game is what it, what's important to us, but we also have uh, moved our program and expectations to playing to a standard. And, you know, I can tell you in the, in the locker room after a 21-point victory that the, the, the team wasn't happy with the standard in which we played. And to me, that means we're, we're heading in the right direction when it comes to the type of culture we want to have. Um, we did some things well, and, and what we learned is we achieved what we emphasized we were able to run the ball better, which has been one of the things we've really worked hard to do. And then I thought our defense played a lot better for an opening game. We cleaned pretty, we tackled pretty cleanly. Uh, we limited the big plays, and then we got some some big plays out of the uh, return game and on special teams. But when you think about what our expectation and what our standard is on a day-to-day basis or game-to-game basis. Oh, we didn't meet it, and that's a good thing. We got this week to try to improve on it. Coach Locks and the Maryland Terrapins heading to Charlotte uh, to take on the 49ers, not the San Francisco 49ers, uh, this Saturday here on the Team 980. Uh, Mike, when you when when you say you know we knew in the locker room and you took that as a sign of of maturity, I mean obviously during the game you know that you see that. How hard are you riding your guys? 
you know, during the game, realizing already that, hey, even though we've got this game under control, that you are pushing them to be, uh, I guess, even sharper, even better, and make sure that they understand that, hey, we didn't play up to our capabilities and expectations. You know, that's the key to it as a coach is the the push for perfection. And we're always going to aim to try to play the perfect game, knowing that it's usually unattainable. And, and when bad things happen or things don't go the way you expect them to, it's kind of how you respond. And, and that, to me, is what I was most pleased with because things didn't go as we planned and, and you had a lot of disappointment. You know, our quarterback, you know, threw for 290 yards. He was 24 of 34, had six drops. So, and, and he was unhappy because he didn't throw a touchdown pass or didn't play as cleanly. And to me, when, when our expectations are to play to perfection, um, you know what, usually if you can get pretty close to that, then you'll feel good about it. And, you know, coming out of the game, we didn't. And uh, that gives us a chance to continue to work to get better. I asked Kenny Amadalo this question last week, Mike. And, and uh, to me, the early part of the season, how much of it is about we as opposed to they, about you as opposed to your opponents, especially early in the season, as you said, trying to meet the standard uh, that you and your coaches set uh, and that work ethic you're trying to get them to achieve every day? Yeah, you know, one of the things I learned during my time in Tuscaloosa is that, uh, you know, very few times is it going to be more about the opponent than it is about what you do. Because if you take care of the things you can control, you usually will give yourself a chance to be in a close game. And then, you know what, nobody knows what happens in the fourth quarter of a close game. It's who executes the best, who manages their nerves the best. And so, you know, it's always going to be about what we do. We talked to our team about that this week, you know, our preparation doesn't change based on our opponent, you know, because we, we, we come in and we have the work that we got to get done Monday through Friday to have success on Saturday. And it's usually for us being the best version of ourselves. And, and that's what we shoot for. Coach, you mentioned the running game and how pleased you were in that. And Hemby had, you know, the 114 on seven carries, uh, two touchdowns. You're not going to average 16 a pop uh, every time. But overall, what was the key? What was the reason in your eyes for that success? And 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 um, and how ba- basically do you carry it over week to week so it's not just a one opponent type thing? Yeah, you know, the run game is one of those funny things that, you know, it's not pretty. Um, sometimes it's a dirty three yards, and then sometimes it pops for 70 like we saw on mm-hmm. Saturday. And the key is, is to consistently continue to come off the ball and be physical up front. And, you know, a lot of times based on how most people are playing offensive football these days, you, you get the mentality of it's not a physical brand. But I, I like the way that we were physical up front. You know, we didn't play perfectly in the run game because obviously coming up short on a third and one and fourth and one kind of right before the half really disappointed me. But I thought what we continued to do was lean on people, play physical in our backs you know, not just Roman Hemby, but Antoine Littleton ran the ball very physical, and we made made some plays there as well. So um, I was most pleased with the physicality that we tried to play with in the run game. Mike, you turn to Brian Stewart, obviously, on the defensive side. And as you go through the season, do you anticipate much change philosophically, or is it just a case of, you know, uh, coaching the players that you have better on that side? Because as much credit, and deservedly so, as, as Talia and your great skill people are going to get on offense – for you guys to achieve your goals, uh, defensively, you all must be better uh, this season. And thoughts on the way that that group played, and, and obviously Brian uh, handled things as the coordinator for you in his first game uh, this season. 
Yeah, you know, we, we turned the B-Dub, Brian Williams, a year ago, the last two games of the season. He took over to the, uh, stepping in the front of the room, and I like the way the team responded, playing for him. Um, and we all know that for us to take the next step uh, and close the gap on some of the teams that we play, uh, we've got to play better defense. And I've been really pleased with the alignment on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we got a staff of guys. Our philosophy won't change. What we are and who we are on offense, defense, and special teams will remain the same regardless who comes in to, to call it. They can add to the packages, but the philosophy doesn't change. And, you know, I really like the way that Brian has stepped into the role of leading the front of the room, uh, the assistant coaches that work with him on that side of the ball all being in alignment, and our players really understanding the, the system, the scheme, the communication necessary. And like I said, the key to playing good defense is, is tackling, uh, getting 11 guys to the ball. And I thought we did a really good job of that for, for the first game, which typically is uh, not how it usually plays out. Coach, back to the offensive side of the ball. You guys get Dante Dimas back. I mean, that was such a brutal injury to watch last year. We all know what kind of year he was having. Uh, what do you have? Three catches, I think 23 yards or whatever it was, uh, on Saturday against Buffalo. Where is he at in in, in his process? And, and can he just mentally cut it loose? Uh, do you have to kind of preserve him a little bit, protect him from himself? How do you kind of operate from the medical and then the, I guess, mental side of things? You know, and that's where we've kind of relied on the sports science that we've turned to quite a bit in our training staff and, and their knowledge. You know, Dante's back early just like Jay Sean Jones is, and, and it's a testament to how those two guys work to get themselves back in time to start the season. But we also recognize that the lows they play with or they take in the game, we've got to be really careful in, in terms of how we bring them back. And so it was good to see both those guys be able to get out. I think they played about 60% of the, mm -hmm. the, the snaps that they could play, and we're, we're watching it closely. We're fortunate that we've got depth in the receiver room that allows us to do this and to continue to bring these guys back the right way so that, you know, as we get into the crunch of our, the Big Ten East, uh, we'll hopefully have these guys as close to 100% as we can have them. Coach, the the fact that, and I don't know if we can underrate this in college football anymore, the fact that the same quarterback you had last year uh, came back this year and is playing on your team in today's environment, it's uh, seemingly rare uh, in college football. But how different is the Talia Tungavailoa that you know now and have coached than the one that you knew that arrived in, in Tuscaloosa? Yeah, it's it's. He's night and day. You know, I've had a chance to know Talia and the family since he was in eighth grade going into the ninth grade. And to continue to see his maturation as a quarterback, as a person, as a leader, um, he's right on schedule. And, and we're really happy with where he is. Um, he continues to uh, be the guy or the catalyst for us on offense. Uh, he's making the right decisions. He's getting the ball for the most part to the people, how we want him to get the ball to them. And I, I just continue to see the kid mature as a leader. And to me, that's going to be necessary as we try to close the gap on some of these other teams in our league. No doubt. Tough road ahead. It starts uh, again this Saturday at Charlotte. Uh, Coach, you know, they've struggled. They're 0-2. Uh, they've gotten beaten up by William and Mary in Florida Atlantic, and they allowed a lot of run uh, rush yards on the ground. I assume that'll be a big part of the plan, what we were talking about uh, earlier. But what are some of the other keys? I, uh, Brian Baker, who's their defensive line coach, I got to coach uh, – got to coach – got to work with him here in Washington for a year, and we've remained, uh, you know, pals and whatever. And, you know, he was really excited, but that's – a that's a tough start for them, and you, but yet you guys go on the road and you got to make sure that they pay uh, and feel you guys early, right? 
Yeah, you know, again, it's always tough to go on the road for the first time with a new team. Um, this will be the first time that we have to uh, go through this process of being on the road. Uh, again, we talked about this earlier that it's going to be more about what we do, um, how we execute. And so we've really tried to focus in on the, the, the efficiency of how we play offense, defense, and special teams. And um, if we go do those things and, and we've put the work in, we've got one more big practice here today to kind of clean up some things. You know, we need to go down there with the, the, the mindset of us going down there to take care of business. And, and I think that's kind of the approach we've taken. Coach, appreciate the time this morning. Hope it's the first of many visits here throughout the season. And best of luck against the Niners coming up this weekend. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Mike. Got it. Maryland head coach Mike Loxley. Look, uh, Will Healy's team at Charlotte has been very good the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, they have been god-awful the first two weeks of the season. Not going well. I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, game three mm-hmm. in Maryland's out-of-conference schedule, my friend, that is going to be a great one when Maryland – takes on SMU, Tanner Mordecai and company coming to town uh, for a 7.30 kickoff in week number three. And I know Maryland's coaches never look past this week, but I'm telling you, if you're a local college football fan and you're a Maryland fan, that thing is going to be a humdinger next week in College Park. Get on out there. It's a night game, 7.30, hit Matt Valdez's tailgate, all that stuff. I might even find my way over there if I can – uh, figure it out since uh, Navy has a bye week next Saturday because Tanner Mordecai and SMU going to be a heck of a test going into that Big Ten schedule. There you go. So we'll see. Terps have a great chance to be three and zero going into the Big Ten. It really but can't overlook Charlotte. No, not at all. And I know. I mean, Terps are twenty seven and a half point favorite. I know. I know this week. And as I said, Charlotte has been god awful. Yep. But but Will Healy's club has yep. been decent. And, you know, Xavier Williams is a pretty good quarterback. He's a guy that can make some things happen uh, and and is a little bit dangerous for you. But, um, I mean, Maryland's got a real chance here to have some nice momentum built up going into the Big Ten season. And, quite quite frankly, looking forward to it. Because this is what Mike and that staff have been building toward. Had a chance to talk to Mike a couple years ago at the Annapolis Touchdown Club event. And, you know, they are delivering yes. on what they promised in terms of getting local kids, hitting the portal aggressively, and getting some people that can come in and make a difference. And right now they play an exciting brand of football. What Mike said, though, running the football, and again, that's going to be huge against Charlotte, a team that's getting gashed on the ground, number one. Again, that takes pressure off of Talia. That means you don't have to play Dante Demas as much. That means you don't have to rely on your defense as much, which we know is still you know, shuffling and whatever. 2.30 for the pregame uh, on Saturday afternoon. Kick right around 3.30 right here on the Team 980. Maryland at Charlotte, and then we'll join the Boston College-Virginia Tech game in progress after that. So we have you covered here on the Team 980 Saturday, starting at, again, 2.30 with the Maryland football pregame show. I was going to say, if you're a college football fantasy player, Hemby, Jarrett, Rakeem Jarrett, they might be some pretty good options this week in college fantasy football out there, especially if you uh, hit the parlay circuit or in a fantasy football league navy and memphis that'll be saturday in annapolis at 3 30 so got plenty of opportunities for you to get in on some college football uh this weekend with our teams in the area 301-230-0980 odyssey app streaming live for free our predictions on this nfl season are coming up right here on the team 980 and streaming live for free on the odyssey app